What's possible if you let go of the shoulds, right wrongs, and supposed tos? What could you create? Who would you get to be? And what would you experience as a leader, parent, colleague, or whatever hat you're wearing? What qualities would you bring to the space? This podcast will invite and empower you to step over the idea of waiting for tomorrow or for someday and begin today of foraging hand in hand with your fear, your first bold leaps towards the life, team, or business that truly fills you up and inspires you. Hi, I'm your host, Rebecca Zimmerman, executive life and leadership coach and recovering perfectionist. If you believe it's time to step out of the rat race and into your own success on your own terms, you're in the right place. Welcome to Trailblazing Growth. Welcome back. In today's episode, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with my dear friend and esteemed colleague, Kelly Shaw. And the conversation is really centered around what leadership is, how we became the people that we are through our careers, which were in very different occupations, but we experienced the same sort of thing, which so many people do, regardless of the occupation that you're in. So we really explore our shared experiences. We explore what the upcoming group program is going to look like that we are co-coaching starting in February. And I really just have a great conversation with Kelly about who she is and the work that she's doing. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Kelly Shaw onto the show. And Kelly is an empathetic visionary leader who built sales and marketing teams to achieve outstanding results during her multiple roles at a global casino content and technology company called Aristocrat Technologies and in her nonprofit leadership roles at United Way of Southern Nevada. Kelly comes from an American-European upbringing with a wide variety of cultural experiences from living in Belgium and Morocco, and at one point, speaking French better than English. She's traveled to many countries throughout her childhood and within her career. Kelly has integrated her decades of leadership experience and love for organizational transformation by empowering leaders in a new path, which is coaching. Spending 2022 in an ontological coaching program accredited by the International Coaching Federation, which is actually where I met Kelly. And I watched Kelly really transform and she watched me transform in this last year together and just really watched her blossom into just fully being herself. And so many doors opened. It's just been an amazing journey. So Kelly is now pursuing her passion of inspiring individuals, executive leaders, and teams to be their best. With a holistic approach to life, Kelly is committed to amplifying the unique strengths and talents of people to live life to the fullest. She is a curious and continuous learner, and after living in Las Vegas, she has relocated to the Midwest where she launched her new business for coaching and consulting. Kelly has two adult children who live in Las Vegas and New York City, respectively, and lives with her husband of 20 years and their corgi named Ruby and cat named Midnight in Lawrence, Kansas. She is currently embracing the learning journey of piano playing and giving back to her local community through the Rotary Club, through the Heartland Chapter of the International Coaching Federation and the International Women's Forum, while feeding her soul with nature, spirituality, and the local Lawrence arts scene. So without further ado, I welcome Kelly Shaw to... Trailblazing growth. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I have to share good news with you. Today, I got on a call with the president and she invited me to be a board member with her and to serve on the board to help recreate the chapter. And she was really like super supportive. She just said, Kelly, you know, the types of questions you ask and some of the things that, you know, come from your business background. She's like, I just feel like this can help us. Offered the opportunity yeah. to be her thought partner. 
yeah. serve in a board capacity, which I've been wanting to do. And it stimulates me creatively to think about ways to engage and inspire. That's awesome. Yeah. I know that like we've talked before about leaving your corporate work environment and the words that you've used in the past have been like, there's lots of PTSD surrounding it, right? Yeah. I don't think there's a question there, but you know, like, I don't really know if I have an articulated question, but it's like the reframe of like, there was almost like a false start sensation that I was experiencing kind of along the journey this past year with you. And now like the story you just shared of, it's like a reinvigoration. Again, I love you for reframing for me. (laughs) Because what I felt like has been happening between that initial meeting in Emporia and today's conversation is integration. How can I take the things that I learned and loved about my business career and how Mm -hmm. do I integrate them into the transformational work I've done over the last year? And I think the PTSD thing that I've talked to you about a lot is that there were two big PTSD things that I think just this reframing is is still helping me. One is that I was not my best self in leadership for a number of years towards the end of my career. And when I say I wasn't my best self, I was filled with like insecurities, not really feeling like I knew what I was doing anymore. The organization was shifting. And I had been somebody that was always like adapting and shifting, adapting and shifting. But I don't think, I definitely know, I was not tuned into my own needs. I was 99% work all the time. And Mm, I had experienced a lot of burnout, but I wasn't conscious of even saying those words because I had a lot of fear around saying that or admitting that to myself. And I wasn't a great leader. And so sometimes the PTSD is kind of being okay with the fact that I was a different version of myself under stress and insecurity. And that I love this work in coaching and the program we went through together and how I can be honest about that story instead of having trauma from my shaming of myself. Yeah, I get that. And I also hear there's like an acceptance, like there is a story and then, which we all have, like I have a story and it's the walking around the story versus walking into the story and then owning the story and then rising above the story. And for me, it took people doing the same thing to like give myself permission to like reckon with this discomfort inside of me that I kept avoiding. And I didn't even have language around what I was avoiding or the word Mm -hmm. avoidance. You know, it was just like, oh, there's this thing. Emotions are bad. I better not let this show up or I better not say yes to this thing because what if somebody I know there is going to be in this environment and they saw me in a past version of who I was where I'm not really excited about how I showed up? What if they're there? Well, I better say no to this. Does that resonate with you? Oh my God, 100%. It's actually resonating about reaching into my LinkedIn network because reaching into my LinkedIn network to share the work that I'm doing now and how passionate I am about leadership and teams and coaching and mentoring, I feel like people in that network are going to go, yeah, right, Kelly, what a hypocrite you are. Like you're a freaking hypocrite. You were horrible and you were mean and you were not your best self and you stressed me out or caused me the worst year of my career. And like, who are you to go out and Mm -hmm. do something like coaching or get into a group format with Rebecca and like, you know, Like, Mm -hmm. why am I going to be a part of that with you? Because I didn't have a good experience of you. And that shaming in that me telling myself that I'm a hypocrite for wanting to do this work when there were snapshot years in time, it was not the holistic journey of Kelly and her leadership, my leadership, but it's like, I hold on to that hypocrisy that holds me back. Yeah. I really, really resonate with that. For me, my past life that takes me to is when I was uh, operating the wine bar. I had already hung my attorney hat up and I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to create this. I want to have my vision come to life for the small town. And when I was in like full-blown operations mode, I was surviving. Like I was making decisions on the fly. 
I had a will to not show emotion. Like I saw stoicism, like being stoic as Mm -hmm. a strength and not showing emotion at all, not really bringing humanity into the room. And so like it worked, you know, it got me to where I was. But then what that crippled was my confidence, my security, because then it was like, am I being too emotionless, you know? And then I would seek out evidence and I would seek out breadcrumbs to kind of validate this insecurity. It's like, oh, I walked into the kitchen and everybody stopped talking. So they must have been talking about me and they must have been saying something bad or... I would invent these stories. And sometimes like I would actually hear them and then I would even further validate like the story that I was making up. Like my office was just on the other side of the kitchen and I heard my name show up, you know, and, and I heard some unkind things or we would have team huddles and there would be a topic that got brought up and like, you could kind of tell they rallied before the meeting. And so I'm really, there's a lot of shame there. You know, there's a lot of shame as it relates to who I was then. And I'm doing this thing now. And it's like, what do people think? And I share this to like normalize your experience. But then to, you brought up reframe. This reframe was just presented to me that I think I'll share with you is coming from the context, like coming from that place, seeing like, oh, I should be ashamed for where I was. And I'm a hypocrite for trying to lead now or trying to coach leaders now is the relationship I had with leadership is like, you can't be in process when you're a leader, Mm -hmm. like a good leader means you're not in process anymore. Like you're not growing anymore. You already know the answers before this new thing happens. And so the relationship I had with quote, good leadership or being a good leader is you're not growing anymore. You already have everything figured out. And that's actually not the case. That's actually not the case. And so that's that's the reframe that I'm actually living in right now and actively empowering, which is is a lot of work. I'm practicing this new way of, I find myself comparing to this other leader over there and I'm actually able to hold compassion for the comparison. Because I believe when you compare, you're just looking at a mirror, like it's teaching you what there is to heal. It's teaching you what areas there is to grow. It's also teaching you what insecurities you have. Yeah. Like, oh, they're doing this better. It's like, oh, because I'm insecure about the way I'm being right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what I hear and what you just shared is that when we reframe and come from a more gentle place, and a mm-hmm. place where we are giving ourselves grace or coming from a place of our true essence, our true core, all of a sudden we can have forward, we can feel freer to have forward momentum. It's almost like the trap contraption that I build in my head. Like I, I hear I hear that in what you just said. And I also hear like the beautiful opportunity to say, okay, so I wasn't my best self then. But that doesn't mean that I'm stuck there. A good leader, to your point, is always going to be seeking different ways to grow and transform, which has been this journey that you and I have both been on. So we're not the same versions of self, which is good leadership, because we want to lean in to that discomfort, but give ourselves some grace. Yeah. And like the discomfort that I leaned into were those stories. Yes. It's like, what am I so scared of in that story of being in that team huddle where I was standing at the front of the room and everybody was coming to me and like I made it, I made it up in my head that they had got together before and I don't even know. But the thing that I keep avoiding that I avoided for so long was like I was unethical or I was, you know, I was selfish or I was greedy or all of these things. It wasn't just like I was a bad leader. It's like, well, what about my leadership and my qualifying as bad and that I keep running away from? And the fact that I keep running away from prevents me from stepping into what I want to do now and who I want to be now. And so once I confronted these things, which were just interpretations, maybe people really thought of that, but does it really matter? No. Yeah. No. And two things, and I have a curiosity question for you, but one thing that comes up in what you said is 
I also had those same similar experiences, people not including me in certain things in a group or behaving in a way that I was like on the outside and I wasn't really welcomed in. And an interesting awareness was, how was I creating that? How was I actually, by the story I was telling myself, actually self-excluding? Like, Mm -hmm. because of my fear and insecurity, I knew some of those stories were facts that people said about me. So, I mean, there was there was reality in there. But then how much of the story was I also making up that caused my own behavior to almost retract? So I'm saying I'm not welcomed in or I'm not included or I'm being bashed about. But then what was I doing to almost make that true? Like my like behavior, perpetuating. Yeah, perpetuating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, what am I broadcasting? Mm-hmm. What am I broadcasting like energetically? What am I broadcasting through my words in order to, to fulfill this belief that I have in my head? So then I can yeah. seek out the evidence to then revalidate the belief that I have, which will then have me further kind of burrow my head into my little turtle shell. Totally. And the thing I'm curious about with you is when you think about that wine bar experience and taking those risks, are there reframe things that you can tell yourself about that experience that is actually, when I called it grace, like grace to self, like what has come to you from that piece of your story? The fact that I get to have a lived experience, that's the reframe. I actually get to have the lived experience because I put myself out there and I was vulnerable. I was the leader that welcomed unknown. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, we're going to have a team huddle. And sure, we'll have an agenda. Like, these are some safety items. These are some growth opportunities. And it's like, what do you want to talk about for the last 15 minutes? And I invited that, which the reframe is, is like seeing myself as the brave person, like the courageous person who welcomed feedback. And it's the collateral or the after effect that I've been living in for so long. It's like, okay, so I came out and I presented myself like this, but what what I've been stuck in is the collateral damage. It's like, oh, they said this. And then I, I attached an interpretation to what they said as I'm a shitty leader or I'm unethical. Or the only reason why they would ask that question is because something about me and how I'm terrible, yada, yada, yada. And so that's where I was stuck. And so reframing to, it actually wasn't that I was doing a bad job or I was a bad person. It really is just, I was stuck. I was stuck in the insecurity. I got stuck in the comparison. I got stuck in the doubt. And I didn't know that so many other people get stuck there. Yeah. And so it was like unstucking myself, unsticking myself, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. I there. That's been the journey for the last two years is that right there is that. that. Yeah. And what comes up for me in that is the unsticking of yourself. I love that. But for me, it was, I was so focused on external recognition that when those things started perpetuating and I felt like I was on the outside and the external recognition wasn't flowing, I have spent my last several years figuring out and learning skills to ground myself and give myself internal recognition. So that if I come into a situation and I'm grounded and I'm confident and building skills to become confident so that I'm I'm in those situations in a grounded way. And the internal versus external recognition has been just a huge learning journey Mm -hmm. for myself. To just even be able to say out loud, like I was always a workaholic. I was always consumed by work. Work has always defined me and made me the good, responsible person that I learned at a young age as a kid like you. Like you go to work and you learn, you get a work ethic. And so you're rewarded and loved for how hard you work. And Mm -hmm. it, but it like taught me one throttle, like sort of like driving a sports car. Like I was always in fifth gear. I didn't know how to downshift or like how to come into other spaces. And it was like, I just knew work and work was where I was going to be appreciated, loved, recognized. And when that started drying up, it's like, well, what about me? How am I filling myself up? What am I doing to surround myself with people that can support me on this journey and look more internally than externally. Yeah. And, you know, for me, because I feel like you hear a lot about, you know, or when I say you, I mean me, I hear a lot about how don't take external validation, like fill yourself Mm -hmm. up. And so where I was on my own journey, 
I actually needed external validation. Like I needed affirmations. And Mm. so in that place though, when I needed it, I would slap shame on top of it and say like, oh, shame on you for needing external validation because it's bad to get external validation. Mm. And so I wasn't filling my cup with internal internal validation or anything like that. And I was beating myself up that I wasn't. And I was beating myself up that I was needing external validation. And so what this group did for me this past year was, I mean, everybody saw straight through me of like, oh, I have to present myself in a certain way and then I'll be liked, right? Or then I'll, I'll be helpful or I'll be accepted. I'll be received. I'll be, I'll belong was we actually acknowledged each other. We gave each other the validation in order. And that was what I needed. The place where I was at in my journey is I needed other people to see my greatness so I could see my greatness. Love that. You know, and that's... Same. Yeah. That's what community gave me. That's what community gave me. It's, Rebecca, you're actually not a hypocrite. Mm. You know, what you went through is pretty normal, but nobody talks about it. And so because nobody talks about it, you then feel isolated, you feel alone, and then you call yourself a hypocrite. You just described the beauty of community and support and exactly what our group coaching intention is. It's really creating that space. And I love how you reframed acknowledgement because I also felt that way this year. It was like being acknowledged for my being of who I am, which was was an external validation. But it was an external validation not tied to performing or getting it right or having the perfect words or demeanor. It was like being acknowledged in a supportive way. And by the way, support has always been something that had been like, eh, he needs support. Like, yeah. like yeah. almost like, I'm not going to ask for support. Like, I'm a strong person. I don't need support. But then mm-hmm. reframing the definition of support into community and into mm-hmm. connection and into that mm-hmm. acknowledgement piece you're talking about. Super yeah. powerful. And I also think about support, you know, and your reaction, your initial reaction to it of like, Ugh, like I'm strong. Yeah. And what I hear in that is like the undercurrent of getting support is weak. Asking for support is weak. And if doing that thing is weak, then that must mean I'm weak. Yeah. And I'm not weak. I need to portray myself as strong. So I'm going to lone wolf everything. That's like the undercurrent of, of kind of like your why. That's... Yeah. Rebecca, what are you doing? Getting inside of my mind? Like, that's exactly (laughs) it. Like, I have been the lone wolfing it and, oh, look strong and have this armor and portray myself in this way. And it's like, hold on a minute. What's my whole definition about being strong? Right. That was my relationship with support. I was so scared of asking for support and opening up to anybody who was not already kind of purviewed to what was going on because I was so scared of just being weird. Like, what do you mean your team said that? What do you mean they're talking about you in the kitchen? What do you mean? Like, that stuff doesn't happen here, you know? And so it was like, oh gosh, I have to keep up this facade. I can't actually share. And because I didn't share, then I wasn't able to see any choices. It was like light switch on, light switch off. Like I had two choices. And once I intentionally joined a community of people who were all aligned in creating the same thing, the ability to share was so much more readily available. And then the ability to be seen for just like the experience overall was readily available and it was the huge impact. That's, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with all of that, but that's you know. what you know exactly stream of, stream of conscious, doing, stream of conscious. <laughs> you know yeah. exactly where you were going with that. You do know. And it's super powerful what you're saying because it it's true. It resonates with me. I know we talked about, you know, hypocrisy hmm. and past life. And why are you reaching out to me? Because this was who you were before. And now you want me to refer you or now you're asking for support. How do you see that? Because there was so much energy around you creating new connections yes. with the ICF chapter. Yes. How can you harness that into your old connections where you have this hypocrisy interpretation? 
I love that. And then I want you to answer that too, how you think about that from your wine bar and board days. And yeah, I want to hear the answer for you there too. I think it goes back to this integration thing. Like I have had a longstanding history that, and I think I shared this with you and in, in our group, but you know, once I'm in a certain experience and then the experience ends, the wall goes up and now it's all new, right? And so I don't bring any of that forward. So to your point, yeah, I mean, I moved to the Midwest. That was massive. I relocated physically. So I knew that I was going to be in a new community. And so I did have that thinking of like, okay, that Vegas life and chapter done, new chapter now, new connection, new community now that I want to make and build. But what's really present for me is going back into that community that I built in Nevada over 25 years, where I met some really amazing people and having a reframe on that network and on those relationships. And yes, there are still those tinges that I get when I look at certain people's names and feel that shame feeling, but it's leaning into saying, I have access to all of these communities. I don't have to have just one. I can lean into the people that knew me when I was my best self. And I can also lean into the people that didn't know me, that knew me when I wasn't my best self. If I come into that perspective with this type of thing we're talking about, like with an open heart and with humility to say, you know, I wasn't my best version of self, but I've been on this exciting learning and growth journey that I want to share with you. Like, so it's like, I guess the answer is admission of Mm. being humble to know that and acknowledge myself for not being my best self and not to reject that network because I lump in just that experience of that snapshot in time into the holistic group of people. And that's not, first of all, I don't feel like that's fair to myself or even to those amazing humans that I did get to build friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. with over the years. I think even after saying it out loud to you, I think it's still a working journey for me. Yes. Continually reframe that and think about what does integration mean? So it's not either or. It's not one community or the other. Mm-hmm. Because all of these communities have a holistic circle for me. Yeah. I think for me, it's the constant reminder that everybody attaches interpretations to things, especially if you're not like in the active work of personal and professional growth and transformation. Mm-hmm. If you're not aware of it, it's so easy to attach interpretations. So I, I remind myself of that that other people do it and I do it, you know, and reminding myself that everybody relates to things differently. Like, you know, the relationship to work, you know, you talked about performing. And so my relationship to work that I'm rewriting and I'm constantly practicing is shifting away from if you're not working, you're worthless. So it's like this usefulness thing. So I have to be useful in order to be worthwhile and to belong. Like, how can I be more and more and more useful to others? Yeah. And not everybody has that relationship to work, you know? And so other people, like in the the wine bar days, I worked with people who had, and I'm making an assumption right now based on my experience. I worked with people who had the relationship of work or with leadership that like you always had to be there. Like I had to be a servant leader in order to be a good leader because that was their relationship to leadership. Hmm. And that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it wrong. But I, I need to constantly remind myself of everybody relates to things differently. Everybody attach interpretations to things in order to keep them feeling safe or to keep them feeling right or whatever, just like myself. So that's actually been a tool that I've been using is just the constant reminder of people are different and that doesn't make you bad. And what is good leadership? How do I actually want to make decisions? How do I want to make this hard decision of whether I want to reach out to this person and who do I want to be when I reach out to this person and how they relate to me making that connection is all of them and all of how they relate to Somebody in my past life that I didn't really like is reaching out to me now for support and whatever they would decide to make that mean. Maybe they make that mean, oh my gosh, thank you for being such a role model of what it looks like to re-enter into my life and how I can do it. I think that's, that's beautiful. 
yeah, that's been my active practice right now of where I am at in my journey. But it's a process. All right, you guys, I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you to join my five-month group coaching cohort called The Leaderboard. And it begins this February of 2023. I'm co-coaching the group with Kelly Shaw. So this is a group you won't want to skip over. This leaderboard mastermind will be full of like-minded people who are trailblazers. They're leaders, they're executives, managers, or owners. And you all have a common goal of exploring who you currently are as a leader, leaning into who you want to be as a leader to get you past your comfort zone. It's running your life and business, not the other way around, and reckoning with your own discomfort so you can get more connected with yourself, allowing you to truly be with people through the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's part of leadership. So this group coaching mastermind is not your conventional group where we teach and facilitate at the front of the room. It's really generated by you, by the group. It's interactive, it's community. Sure, we'll dive into tools and resources and go after goals, but it's about reckoning with the uncomfortable. So jump into the show notes and click the link to join the group. Enrollment is closing soon. So thanks for listening to this quick interruption. Now let's get back to the show. I love that you're leaning into those connections from that period in your life with that view that Mm -hmm. there's actually so much beautiful opportunity coming into it with that reframe. And I also love, you know, the words about intention. What's your intention coming into that, Mm -hmm. you know, to reach out to those people, you know, there's a selfish intention, which is that you want to break through there. You want to break that paradigm, Mm -hmm. but what a beautiful opportunity where you don't hold the outcome as the measure. It's not about how the person responds, right? It's about your act of leaning in to your own breakthrough, regardless Mm -hmm. of the outcome. And I feel like that's where the freedom from that trapped thinking comes in, is Mm -hmm. when we actually let go of the outcome, because you're just moving forward and taking the steps of outreach, which can be received in this beautiful, incredible opportunity, could be rejected, could be criticized, doesn't matter, because it's about you taking the step forward. Yeah. And I can so connect how that mindset of being scared, living in scarcity of how are they going to receive me? I I better not. I can so see how that mindset prevents me or has prevented me and prevents other people from taking action of what they want to do and who they want to be. Like I know people who want to open a food truck you know, but then they have all of these fears about what are people going to think if I quit my big wig job and I, what if it fails and I'm a failure and how they actually don't take action in things because they're so scared. They're so scared. And, you know, I, I see that for me, it's, I use tangible projects. That's what I call them. And I attach milestones to the projects and they're, they're super clean. They're super tangible. Sometimes they're money or sometimes they're quantity of whatever, but I use the project in service of the breakthrough. So if my breakthrough is, I actually want to see myself as a change maker. I want to see myself and I really want to feel it. And I want to feel the fulfillment. Like I want to feel like I've, I've made it. Like I finally made it. Then I can use these tangible things to get me uncomfortable, to have these breakdowns, to have these breakthroughs. Like I, I need to get to this milestone and I know I'm really good at achieving milestones, but it's the journey. So I use this project to be a catalyst for all of the discomfort that I want to go through in order to actually feel wholehearted and to feel fulfilled. I loved your words about you really want to feel the discomfort. Think about how that's like an opposing instinct. Like our natural instincts are to go away from, right? Like we don't want to be in anything that's that, like making us that scared or that uncomfortable, but making a deliberate step like that you described in that plan of action to lean into that fear. And then like what comes up for me, because I am also adopting those project milestones as well. When I get really, really scared, coming into my community and saying, I'm really freaking scared. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I'm feeling all this fear. And even though I've said I'm going to do it, because that's the only way through it is to do it, right? Like to go through it, to then feel it, to then have it be Mm -hmm. genuine, but I still get scared. And so being able to Mm -hmm. even have that structure of support, like I love what you identified as like the project milestone structure. And then you couple on top of that, having people that are in this journey with you that can also be that, that voice that says, there's another way to do it. And even seeing the fear, even reframing the fact that I'm scared as a positive thing, like if I'm going to actually, you know, things are binary, negative, positive, because I would make it mean something when I would see a tenured leader, a tenured business owner, whoever say like, oh yeah, I'm not scared. Like I would berate myself for not being good enough because I was actually scared, but I wasn't saying anything. So that would further armor me up and further put like more masks on in order to to not show fear. And then while I was trying to not show fear, I wasn't taking these actions that actually got me to where I wanted to be. And so when I hear people say they're not scared, I don't make that bad, like negative. What I now make that mean is they're in their comfort zone. Like their life might be bigger than mine. Their life might be more whatever, you know, maybe they have more money. Maybe they have more kids. Maybe they have whatever it is, whatever, like I'm choosing to compare at that moment, but they're not leaning into that edge of discomfort in order to generate that next breakthrough to get to that life that they want. Or they're just super satisfied with where they are, which there's nothing wrong with it. True. It's like reframing the statements of, oh, I'm not scared to, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. That just means you're comfortable and there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. It just means you're not actively pushing into that edge to further grow who you are. And that kind of is that connection point of, I assumed a good leader or the best leader was never in process. They were done with process. So the person that's always in process is going to be scared. Fear is going to show up because it's going to get more and more and more sophisticated. Yeah. And especially when you're a leader pushing into what you see as a future that you want to design or a future you or a team or a company or a business, like this amazing possibility lives on the other side of our comfort zone, right? So those leaders that are willing to and desiring to have the support and the steps and the accountability to lean into what is truly possible to happen. Yeah. Some, again, possibility lies at the edge and yeah. outside of our comfort zone, right? Yeah. Like, and so, and like, I think it's really cool with the experience that I've had is I can achieve these like tangible milestones. Like if I want to make this much money, right? At the end of the day, and then I'll have my milestones leading up to the the end goal. I also get the journey along the way. And I know like you can read the Instagram posts about journeys, but it's it really is about like knocking on the door of, I'm scared of being rejected and then opening that door and overcoming it. And then knocking on the door of, Ooh, I'm going to be seen as a hypocrite today because I'm, you know, reaching out to this person and then knocking on the next door of, of whatever it is like, Oh, this is the person that I quit, you know, like I'm a quit and like, it's knocking on all of these doors in order to generate this thing that you really want. Yeah. I remember looking at those posts way back in the day and going, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be on the journey and knock on the doors and yeah, right. okay, that all sounds good. But when you start breaking it down into what I call manageable chunks, mm-hmm. and then you surround the manageable chunk with a step and some support around you, some mm-hmm. community around you, then it's like that then makes the journey unfold. But I remember being so stuck in like black and white, like it's either or like, There's no way. Yeah, whatever. That journey thing and those steps and breakthroughs and whatever, that's for people that don't have a lot of stress and they're not doing X, Y, Z. But that's not true. Like in order to really get on that journey and really knock over those fears, you got to take the steps. Not you got to. You want to. You want to take the steps because you want that level of growth and possibility for yourself and your leadership. Right. And I think about the word confidence too. I would almost put that as a precursor. Well, I have to get confident before I go do this brave thing. 
But confidence is so fleeting. It's about emotion and it's typically based on past experiences. Like in order to build confidence, you need to do the thing and then feel good in the moment. And then all of a sudden you have confidence. If you've done the thing and then you don't feel good in the moment, maybe you're just tired that day and you probably don't have confidence. And so I think about the journey is actually like building up confidence to be self-confident, to be externally confident. But then rather than putting confidence at the beginning, like it's what you're getting at the end and commitment and like being vulnerable is what gets me to confidence. It's like the more vulnerable I am with people, like showing my real self, the more relatable I am. And then the more they share with me and I'm like, oh, wow, I've normalized the situation. And so I'm no longer the weird person who did a bad job, you know, and and all of the things, all of the stories and interpretations I've attached to it. So that's really what I've got when I keep hearing you say the word support. That's how it was so integral to me. Cause it's like, well, I'm so good at just doing all this stuff by myself. Like I can lone wolf this, like da, 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 da. But then it's about how I feel in the process. Cause I was just beating the crap out of myself and not enjoying it. And then getting to the top of the ladder and being like, now what? And then in the meantime, all of these relationships have like fallen apart. And so that's been my experience. And that's kind of what I'm not redoing, but just shifting and not continuously climbing the ladder. Yeah. And what I hear there is that you've allowed expansion in your life to be choosing differently. You can choose that way because you have chosen that way and you have risen to the top that way. And I can resonate with that because me too, you know, I rose like that as well. But now there's this expansiveness to choose to make different choices, to come into these decisions differently and to not be this beating up thing. Like the beating up thing is huge. And that for me used to be fuel. That was my fuel. Like just let my let beat myself up so that I can yeah. I can keep going and I beat myself up more so I can keep going. But you know, at the end of the day, what did that do? Like it wasn't doing anything to fill me up. If anything, the confidence in me was going down mm-hmm. the more I beat myself up, right? So it's like producing the other thing. And the other thing I heard in what you said is this whole perfectionism path. Like I gotta have it all figured out before I even begin. I got to have all my head knowledge. I got to have all my training. I got to have all these things before I can even do anything. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you take a step and you learn and you build confidence to your point. You know, it's like building blocks on top of each other and to really push the perfectionistic thing to the background. Because then again, back to what you just said, it expands the opportunity to choose differently. I choose not to be perfect in this moment as I take these steps and it's okay for me to not be perfect. Yeah. And then because I see other people doing that too. Yeah. That's the thing that I I would add for my story is I know other people are intentionally letting go of these things that they've held on to. So then so can I, they can do it. So can I, and then it, it works and they're like, Oh, I see her doing this. Then so can I. Yeah. To me, it's a big reframe on shame and perfectionism. To your point, watching other people in action do that, it's enlightening. It's illuminating. That's the power of of group coaching. I feel like you just described the power of group coaching because you're watching others in action lean into their vulnerability and go to scary places. And then you're like, hmm, interesting. Where does that land for me? And how can I practice that? And I also really love the words practice, experiment, lean into That for me has been something that brings down the perfectionistic to have to have it all figured out or the messiness. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to be a little messy. It's okay to, you know, just it brings down that I got to have it all figured out. I got to have it all dialed in. And no, I can be messy. I can be vulnerable. Yeah. Because I actually have greater access to self and choice when I'm in those spaces. Yeah. And just like bringing this more to the, the physical body of like all of this is in our head and you yourself said you've just received feedback from people like, have you lost weight? And you're like, no, I'm just happier. Yeah. And the whole year you've just shed off all of this stuff that you've been carrying around and you physically look different because of it. No weight has been lost, but you physically look different. And I, I just think that's just amazing amazing that you can physically see your change and your transformation from doing the work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's an unintended consequence. Like yeah. somebody said, and I think, I think somebody said it to you or to me, but it's like, Kelly, you look younger. It's like, oh, this is like a fountain of youth thing. Like, you know, yeah. when, you, when you transform and you shed and you lean in and you, I do the work, not just talk about the work, but do the work, you have all these unintended consequences of greater access to joy. Like I was telling an old colleague of mine just today, how I feel so much happier. Like I actually am experiencing happiness and joy and yeah. lightness and it comes across physically. So all these great unintended consequences of leaning into beautiful coach work and doing the work on growth and evolution, yeah. self-evolution. Yeah. I'm just really excited to be a part of that journey with other people, kind of wearing the coach hat though, and watching the participants and being with the participants when they're in the face of resistance. Like, okay, it's cool. We're going to stand here. Like, we're going to be in this conversation. And, you know, because it's more than just standing in the resistance. Like, it's it's about, like, taking the action to then generate what you're seeking. You know, it's that twofold. And then seeing the other people do it, too. And then hearing their stories about why they're not going to do it and how it's dumb and yada, yada, yada. And all of their safety mechanisms of why they need to continue avoiding show up. So then that's all a part of the process to let that down and for them to go have that hard conversation that they realize is actually easier for them to put them like to bet on themselves to then realize that it wasn't that much of a bet and that it was all in their head. I don't know. I'm just really excited about them stepping into courage to then learn and discover so much about who they get to be in life and what they get to generate in life. Well, I think selfishly, amen to everything you just said, but I think selfishly, what comes up for me is the access to your brilliance and your wisdom and your experiences as coach, because you have helped me so tremendously and your styles and the insight that you have and the wisdom. This is like the recipients of that. This is what I love about you, Rebecca, is that you have such a heart of service. And I feel like this field draws people to serve others, to make ourselves like the best version of ourselves, but your style of coaching, you've taken me to like these really uncomfortable edges, but then you <laughs> held me, but like you've supported me. And I think it's brilliant. Like it reminds me of, you know, when I call you a badass pilot, because you are, you're in those skies and you're in that uncharted territory in the clouds. And, but you know, like you've been that for me, you're, you've been navigating me through the clouds. And then to have a safe landing. I love the the pilot analogy with you, because I do think it's like so amazing and you're risk-taking and who you are as a a being. But yes, when you think about the people that we can bring together in collaboration, connection, trust, and they can benefit from not just what they can benefit from, frankly, the gifts of just coming together in community and service. You know, it's like, I do believe there's so many great things that we can, we can get. It's a reciprocal partnership, but um, I love how you frame that up because I do believe that this coaching group is an amazing opportunity to be in life and see transformation before our eyes mm-hmm. and to be celebrating and growing. And I think there's no greater, deeper reward than to be in yeah. connection with others like that. Yeah. Wow. And I think about like the coaching requests that might come through and and they mm-hmm. typically start off with, how do I do this thing? Or what is the best way? Or what is the most effective way? What's the most efficient way? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, you know? And those transforming. And so they they get the answers because they, they find the answer in themselves through the work, through the discomfort. It's like they're seeking, just by asking that question, they're seeking the validation from everybody else, which is perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine, you know, versus distinguishing the difference between being told what to do in their life Mm. to asking more logistical questions of, Hey, is there a good resource for a podcast editor versus should I get a podcast editor? Like those are two distinct questions. Like one, tell me what to do. The other one is, Hey, do you have a resource that supports this thing? Cause I myself am confident with the decision of getting a podcast editor and how the questions in and of themselves of, should I get a podcast editor, for example, is telling us something deeper of inner trust and inner wisdom. And like, 
how these questions being asked among peers like flushes things out for them to step further and further and further into that edge of discomfort. I feel like that's what I needed to hear going into coaching of like, okay, give me something tangible, right? Give me something tangible. I'm a tangible person. This is me snapping my fingers. And that's the tangible piece is like coming with a real request and not only getting the answer, but figuring out more about why that request was provided from you, learning more about yourself. Yeah, it's going beneath the surface. And it's not about the surface thing. To your point about like, what book can I read? Where's my agenda? What's the tool I'm getting? You know, all these things. It's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that really have to do with why do you need to know? And what is your relationship with not knowing? Right. Yes. And what's possible for you if you don't know on purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. And the discovery that comes with that. I'm excited yeah. for it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for diving into hypocrisy and rejection and action and discomfort and just having those conversations and like building language around what is happening and kind of the undercurrent of those overall themes. So thank you for just being in the conversation and letting people hear a little bit about what this is all about. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the partnership and the collaboration. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to work with you and just the, like the sage wisdom that you bring in and Mm -hmm. the spirituality that you bring. Honestly, just seriously, the spirituality that you bring of wisdom and of grace. So, mm-hmm. so much. It's like the the yin. I feel like we're the yin and the yang. We are. That's why I love our partnership together. I do. You know, yeah. I thrive on collaboration, but honestly, I love the yin and the yang of both of I was telling somebody about our styles of leading and our styles of communicating and how the two of us intersect in this beautiful intersection. Like we bring so many differences to the table and yeah, beautiful partnership with you. I'm grateful to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to connect, send me an email to coach at trailblazersgrowth.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at trailblazersgrowth. Finally, make sure to check out my website, trailblazersgrowth.com for all details about individual coaching and upcoming group programs. See you next time.